about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Timothy. Is that the song that we kept hearing in the movie we just watched? Yep. I thought I recognized it. You did, from Psycho. <laughs> oh. This is basically the same score. Well, he got what he wanted, I guess. Hell yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 51 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, we dismember a horror film every Thursday. And what does that mean to dismember a horror film? Well, we, we watch it. We talk about what worked, what did not work, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy. Yep. And what else are we doing on this show, Tim? Tangents. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to think uh, what, I w- what I was getting at is that we're also on a, uh, a personal and um, group hunt for horror. Yeah, scary. Yes. And mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, we found some good ones. So far, we've been... What would you say our success rate is, by and large? I feel like 1 in 10. of like, That are, like, amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe 1 in 12. Okay. Something like that, yeah. you know? But pretty good. I mean, about... I don't know. That And that's kind of... We, we thought horror was an achievable genre to tackle. Well, and I would also say that I'd almost say the same rate for, like, unwatchable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's a big chunk in the middle that's like, we were like, yeah, that was cool, but, you know, has stuff to uh, could, mm-hmm. could be better, but it wasn't unwatchable. I wonder if that's unique to horror. Is the is it the most, filled with the most mediocre quality <laughs> of films, you know? That's a good question. Um, Cause I'll, maybe. Because, I mean, clearly a lot of... What I'd deem mediocre is what, what most of them are. But it's all great because it's horror. That's yeah. what we're doing here. Regardless yeah. of horror, what we're yeah. doing here is because no matter how good or bad it is, that subjectively that we may think, it's it's fun to talk. I mean, it's fun to, to see portrayal of what you aren't supposed to be looking at, mm. quote unquote. Mm. What are the choices Ooh. they made for the kills? All yeah. that good stuff. What are the themes that percolate up, whether they knew it or not? I think they, you know, in in this one, he knew. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in this one, this one, this one is Sisters, a Brian De Palma film. Yeah. Which you had just recommended a Brian De Palma Isn't film. Isn't that funny? Us. And then I when, pulled it. Yeah. How freaky is that? Um, we've had, we've a had couple similar of, yeah. incidences on the show. Well, yeah. Was it this? I, I, I forgot to look. Was this his... Like, this wasn't his first feature, right? He had done a couple before that. Yeah, but I think this, this was... This the one that kind of broke him yeah, out. Yeah, this right? was the first one with a budget. Even though it was still super low budget, it was the first one like with, with a budget, is yeah. what I gathered from a yeah. ancillary listen that glance. That seems like what I was catching in my, in my extensive research. <laughs> 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 Actually, Tim, I think this episode more than any other episode, like I feel very unprepared. Like I was, I was pretty lost watching the film. Welcome Even to a- my world. <laughs> <laughs> Even after reading the Wikipedia and reviews and everything, I still just feel a little, feel a little. I out think of I know part of why that is. Okay. Well, let's watch the trailer so then we can get into it. Cool.
All right. So from 72. Two, three. But then also 73. I think 72 is <laughs> yeah. released. Anyway, whatever. Sisters. Sisters. They were once one in body and perhaps one in mind. Danielle and Dominique. One loving, one hating, one innocent, the other... Where does Danielle end and Dominique begin? What the devil hath joined together, let no man cut asunder. That was inter- it was like not even a trailer. It was a shorter it was like a teaser. Yeah. But still showed a lot, which is why I didn't want to say, I didn't feel necessarily teased. Only in length did I feel teased. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. It kind of showed the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. All right. So now we have to rate this film, Tim. That's our next little portion of the show. Okay. We're going to do, we're going to do our rating system of what we tell ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or (laughs) buy it. Well, I would on I I mean I quite enjoyed it. Um I would rent it. I don't No, I would rent it. If I was going to buy it, I'd just go buy Psycho. <laughs> which I, I did. Yeah, me too. I um <laughs> I quite enjoyed it too despite my confusion. Um it's a, it's a very solid, good, hearty rent for me. And it's it's I can't say it's as far as, you know, I've given things rents with the possibility of buy. I don't see it quite there. Like, yeah. it's sort of, I don't know, whatever, like, Quaidon was maybe one. I don't know. There's other ones we've watched where, like, I felt a lure or an intrigue or an attraction or a mystique mm-hmm. that wasn't quite there for me on this viewing. But it was still, like, yeah, watching it. Like, yeah, I feel like this movie has a lot of, um, it's, it's like, uh, it's enthu- it's an enthusiastic, like, attempt at a movie. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of feel. Uh, what's more than, wait, that, that has a bad connotation. No, I don't, I, I don't mean, movie. I don't mean it in a bad connotation. It feels like De Palma was really excited to make this movie. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, he was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do my Hitchcock. Yeah, well, he loved... Okay, so it was cool. I watched the um, 2018 interview with... The, this was the star more than Margot Kidder, Jennifer Salt. Yeah, and I know. She, <laughs> she was saying, um, you know, that she was like really close friends with De Palma and they were all friends together and kind of living all together in New York or whatever. And it sounded like he would get very enthused about... Well, he was huge, huge Hitchcock fan, as that's how he was known of in mm-hmm. school or whatever. Um, but he would get enthused by an, just the idea itself. Like, he didn't sound like he was crazy, actually, about, like, being in production on filmmaking. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Like, he just kind of <laughs> was doing it because he became obsessed with the idea. And then with it sounded like with a lot of his films, he... Um, thought each one would be his last almost because he didn't have more ideas but then as soon as he'd finished one another one came that's cool sorry that was to that was to something you were saying but i just kind of his enthusiasm yeah yeah Yeah. 
Yeah, I get that. I I feel like that's sort of the the vibe I got from the whole thing. Yeah, and it's uh, and she also described it as just at that level, which if you're like you know us here, budding filmmakers, you know where where it was very much a not a family affair, but a friendly affair that felt like a family affair kind of thing. Yeah, I get all very much just having fun together. Right, friends helping each other out with a budget though for a first time. So which is that makes a big difference. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Okay, cool. We both rent it. Yeah. And uh, this is where you got to help me, Tim, the summary. I'll do it. You ready? Here we go. Yes. Okay. Summary. Staten Island, 1972. (laughs) Okay. I guess important for modern audiences. Yeah. In the the age of the game show, Mm -hmm. um, Dominique... No, shit. I fucked up already. Wait. It's Danielle. Danielle is the main... Right. So, Danielle is is an actress model, you know, trying to make her way in that career in New York. And she she books a job on a TV show, like a game show. And through that, she meets one of the other... The contestant sort of guy on it. And they go on a date. And um, they go back to her Staten Island apartment. And she... There's some caginess and some weirdness because she's got an ex-husband who's lurking around and she mentions a, a, a tw- sister. I'm not sure she calls her a twin yet, but it ends up being a twin sister. Um, and, you know, it goes pretty well for that dude. Like, they they hook up. They have, he sleeps over. He gets up. It's her birthday. He's on their excited. couch bed. Yeah, on the couch bed. Uh, he's excited to sort of keep the the dream alive and go get her a cake now that he's found out. Um, it's, it's her, her and it's her, her sister's and birthday. her sister birthday. Yep. So now we know they're twins. And upon coming back after knocking some, he also went to buy pills. He knocked some yeah. pills of hers down the drain by accident. So yeah. He was sent to buy and those. she has a bit of a, a a freak out about not having the pills, and then a stomach ache, and she f- passes out. Oh, before I was going to say yeah. she has a bit of a freak out. <laughs> <laughs> and um and so when he comes back, he thinks she's asleep in the bed, and it turns and he presents the cake, and it turns out it's her twin sister who lashes out and stabs him multiple times and kills him and this was all somewhat witnessed by a neighbor who is a reporter but what you mean is it's who we are supposed to think is the twin sister yeah yeah i mean it because wasn't that the twist at one point that it is only one living person who's that's one they are is is the big twist which Correct. I felt like I kind of was my presumption going into it for some reason. Yeah, I don't think it was. It, it was not mind blowing. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, she's a dude or something. You know, it right. wasn't the crying game. Yeah, or it um, wasn't like Basket Case, which I watched recently. <laughs> <laughs> no. So yeah, I mean, I think it was telegraphed a little bit. Sure. Yeah. And maybe that's because we've watched a million movies and. We know that that kind of thing is coming. Yeah, when you hear them arguing and you don't see them, it's right, like it's right. either they're freaky deaky or it's the same person. Yeah. And so the story, the actual story is is kind of less about Danielle and Dominique, the, tw- the quote unquote twins, and more about the reporter who witnesses the murder. So I you, guess that's kind of psycho-esque too, is the protagonist is. handoff. Yeah. Um, but it's got a lot of that rear window feel to it of like, oh, she saw a thing and then gets involved. Oh, directly the looking into the window. Looking into the window. Um, but the, the rest of the story is really a, a sort of a, it's not even really a whodunit so much as a like, how do we prove the truth? 
Mm-hmm. And the cops don't want the reporter involved, but she's like, fuck yeah. it, fuck it. I'm going to get involved. And uh, she's we're only swimming upstream. These cops do not like her. Yeah, well, because she wrote a bunch of articles that were, you know, not um, not flattering, not flattering. Them. Yeah, <laughs> but probably true. Yep. So um, and then through a series of, you know, her tr- detectiveing around and, you know, various t- little sort of plot jump to one thing to the next thing. She ends up being captured in the insane asylum on Staten Island. An experimental insane asylum where everyone is allowed to roam free within the Mm, confines of the house. And it's run by, we find out, surprise, the husband of Danielle, who is a doctor there. Yeah. What's his name? I don't know. (laughs) George or Bob or something like that, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, William Philip Emile Emile oh yeah Emile <laughs> I was gonna say like Dieter or um, something. yeah he's just the dorkiest dude ever with the thickest glasses alright I won't I won't save this for things of note but Roger Ebert described Emile's character as there's this mysterious stranger Bill Finley who looks like an extraterrestrial crossed with a cold war spy <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you'd come on screen, Tim, you were just like, this guy. This fucking guy. Yeah. Look at that face and that mustache and that bruise on William his forehead. William Finley. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. That's what yeah, happens in the movie. Yeah. That's sort of what happens. And then I think, mm, the yeah, like you said, the twist isn't really that what I, it's like, okay. Yeah. But it's more about things getting all weird, trippy dippy at the end because you have who are is now our protagonist, Jennifer Salt, as Grace Collier, Collier, the detective, mm-hmm. or, I mean, the freelance journalist. No, she's yeah. not freelance. She's just a she's, journalist. Yeah. yeah. Um, Investigative reporter. Yeah. When you have her, like, at this, at this, um, at this, what, what do you call it? Home? Psych? Psych? psych oh, psych, yeah. What um, yeah. What do you call that? Mental institution. Sure. She she's like having these visions of of plugging into the consciousness of the Siamese twins. Yeah. And there's he he uh, Emil has, I guess, hypnotized and drugged her. Yeah. Because he does a whole thing of like telling, you know, repeating a phrase and convincing her that there was no murder. She didn't see any murder and it's completely ridiculous and there's no body. Yeah. So she gets that. He, you know, hypnosis is, is her. <laughs> Puts that in her. <laughs> and then, yeah, this this whole, like, she's laying next to Danielle and, like, she... It's so strange because she's reliving the past and, like, seeing herself in the place of Dominique, the dead right. twin. I just wanted to mention in I like brief that. that that was going on just... As far as the, the color yeah. and the flavor of the last act. But we'll, I, we'll talk about that scene more. Yeah. And then ultimately, how does she get away? I forget. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Don, uh, Danielle switches over to the Dominique sort of oh, side right. of her personality now and kills Emile. Yep. Gets out of there. Okay. So my only clarifying question, even though I probably... Thought I had more. So is, are we, were we to assume at the time that her not taking the pills because they were knocked down the drain, 
This is what I was confused. Uh, I mm, read it as mm-hmm. that is what caused her to stab him, but then I thought, oh wait, no, that we are supposed to think that is the twin. I was confused at what we were supposed to be, but so I think it's it's a it's it's the pills going down in the drain. Explain the, that. So I my take on it is that the pills that Danielle has been told by Emil, her husband, who's also her doctor that she has to take those pills for some other reason. And And that's never really stated what that reason is. And I don't even think she necessarily knows. She just knows she has to take them because she she has an episode and probably loses time or whatever. But in the end is what that is, is her turning into Danielle. So, yeah, I think that the pills are in actuality just a psycho... um, What do you call that? You know, a, a drug to keep her psychosis at bay the danielle psychosis the dominique psychosis the dominique sorry yeah. the dominique psychosis <laughs> the ba- it's 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 a it's some sort of anti-psychosis medication and she yeah. may not know that but that's it's never really clarified right. but my take was that you know emil gave her those that's the drug that but he told her to, to like keep her essentially sane. no no time had passed though when she didn't take the pills and or she took a couple pills and then she was talking to you know dominique know. but also talk you know was actually talking to herself yeah it's it's pretty thin so you, you can see why I was very Definitely. No, I, I just there. sort of, I jumped to my own sort of like justification of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, because logically speaking, you would, I mean, this is essentially a thing that didn't work, but <laughs> you would say, okay, she just took two and she had two left and she like, what is she taking them every 15 minutes? Right. Or was she supposed to take all four? Right. Okay. Let's, you want to, let's. Yeah. Let's just get into it. All right. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I'm. I just like the vibe of it, the '70s vibe, and the sort of, you know, all of the characters are really. They're quite compelling and interesting to me. I like everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the main guy who gets killed you know pretty early on like again yeah, like i think his name is philip yeah philip he's cool he's yeah he's really relatable likable like when he's bringing that birthday cake to him they do a really smart thing too because the whole premise of the setup of this game show is is what you know that they've set him up in this locker room he's he's sort of a contestant and He's in a locker room where one of the walls, the barrier between the men's and the women's locker room is actually there. Like maybe there was a you know, a plaster sheet or something that hasn't been put up like it's under construction. So you can see into the other locker room and a blind, quote unquote, blind woman comes in and starts undressing. And the game show is the the other contestants on the game show have to choose what he's going to do. Is he going to stare at? the woman and just say nothing and let her get undressed and like be a peeping Tom. Cause that's the game show is called peeping Tom. Is he going to say nothing, turn away and, and, and just leave and be sort of a gentleman right. about it. Or is he going to actually say something and potentially embarrass the blind woman? And by having him choose 
the gentlemanly one of not saying anything, turning away and just leaving, <laughs> we've now established that he's a good dude. Right. Right. And so we're cool with him going on a date. And then they double down on him being a good dude. When Emil shows up at the restaurant yeah, he and protects he, her from he this protects crazy, her. and then they triple down on him being a d- good dude when he finds out that she's a little, little like she's got a couple nuts maybe loose. She's acting a little odd, and he's like, "No, it's totally cool. I'm gonna go, like, I'll help you out. I'll get your medication, but I'm I'm also gonna buy you a cake because I'm a good dude and for your sister who I haven't even met. Yeah, exactly. He he includes her, so he I mean, so they're I like know quad, what he's they're quadru. <laughs> He's yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's got an agenda, but he he's a good dude. He's he's got really good intentions. And, and so, so does, yeah, when he gets knifed in the in the groin initially, it's a, we're kind of I was bummed. I was like, oh, poor yep. Philip. And it was I mean, I guess much like the original Psycho, you know, it happened way earlier than the halfway point too. You're like, oh, where are we going? This yeah. isn't where I thought we were going. You yeah, definitely. Up. Which is yeah, which is cool. I mean. His death is a pretty fucking intense death. Yeah. Even with the 70s blood, like I'm... Well, and he has the... They cover up his death in a way that I really liked, which is, uh, and I think in... in, um, uh, On par with the intensity of his death is the intensity of like hiding a body in a couch (laughs) and having this like cross-country... Uh, trip for it yeah, planned. That's awesome. um, but dude, that the knife in the groin and then the knife in the mouth. <laughs> right. Oh, when you see that fuck, cut dude. in him, oh man. That was super intense. And it's just enough, it's like so much in shadow, but then you have these inserts of like which, floppy skin. <laughs> which is cool. It kind of feels like the 70s step up from yeah. literally not showing anything in Psycho as far as um, cut skin. There's definitely a v- Argento y fo- sort of vibe too to that. Yeah. It's just that era they're using sort of like that. I don't know what you even call it. I that. liked it. I like that. It's cool. And I, then I, I like the whole death. It's it's a little, I thought it was a little drawn out to him getting to the window and everything, but like to good effect. Right. Um, and then so just to keep going down the list of characters and the actors portraying them and how they're good, I mean, Margot Kidder as Danielle and Dominique, who. Yeah don't know within that first half if we're ever actually seeing Dominique or not when aside from when just stabbed. the stab yeah okay was the hair different or something yeah it was like in her face I don't know anyway I thought she was great as just like you wouldn't know that was I mean maybe because I don't have an ear for these things but pretty good accent I thought mm, okay okay maybe she, <laughs> she was great at playing this kind of, I don't know, having a, a seductive French allure, even if that's very stereotypical. Sure. Like, no, I think she was she... a great counterpoint to then the Grace, the the journalist. Character. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't seem. Uh, uh, what, what? How do I put this? Like she seemed self assured. Yeah, you know, she wasn't like, like. Oh, I can't do it. No, she's like, oh, no, this is why I have uh, two of the same dress. Right. Yeah. I mean, she does quite a good job of of manipulating once she knows she fucked up. Yeah. So, you know, it's sort of like the police. It's showing that. Yeah. It's showing that she has skills. She's not just a like a, you know, a wannabe. Yeah. No, she's an she's actually they actually kind of call it like she says, well, I'm an actress. You know, I have to have two of everything or whatever. She comes up with that r- really fast. And then and um, 
what's her name? Grace calls her out. And she's like, I bet you are. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, she is. She's yeah. acting right now. And Grace knows it. But like, it's good enough to convince everybody well, else in the room. Yeah. Right. I, I'm, I was just trying to pinpoint more. I'm just trying to think more what I don't know. I thought what made her performance so compelling. And I think it was this element of on, you know, you just at the, at the, at the, whatever a drop of a dime, all of a sudden mm. this feeling of she could be unhinged at any moment and a kind that was really, I don't know, got, got to you in a way to see her acting out. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know what you mean. I'm not <laughs> sure what you, like, what do you call that? Yeah. There's a, Ooh, there's gotta be a word for that, but we're always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, I guess. And she's really good at kind of like almost winking at it. Sure. Here's I don't know, maybe from (laughs) even if like when we're first meeting her and even when he finds out like she's a little whatever, like she still seems almost kind of too good to be true. I feel like Mm. is how the movie is trying to present her to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's yeah. I think it's because we're we're being given these kind of open-ended questions mm-hmm. of like from Philip's point of view if you met a girl that you were into You mean Lyles? No. Oh yeah, Philip, sorry. Yeah, so so the the, the, the Lyle, first guy. Sorry. Philip. So from his point of view, you know, he meets this girl and he's like, you know, she's cool and we were on the show together and she basically asked him if she could join him for dinner and he's like, "Fuck, sweet." Yeah. Like this attractive woman wants to have dinner with me. That hell yeah. And then they hit it off and that's all going well. But there's all these red f- there. I mean, it's just red flag central. <laughs> yeah. Her her ex-husband like tries to drag her out of a restaurant. Uh-huh. Like that's a huge red flag. Like she's got stuff going on. Right. You know what I mean? And And he sort of stands up for her and that's great. But like, I think a lot of people would see that red flag yeah. and kind of go, I'm going to I'm going to step out of the room slowly. I think I connected with him and then this is totally why did. I'm trying to articulate like how I'm then viewing her but where I'm always one to give people the benefit of the doubt like yeah. that's the only reason why you know that red flag no. didn't cause further action I, on his I, part. I totally agree. I think even this I think we've I think everybody has experienced essentially this kind of setup you meet somebody you're excited to like somebody and despite some red flags you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and the next thing you know you're getting your ball stabbed <laughs> is that why you only have one <laughs> ball left him but i mean everybody's had that experience to some degree Man, men or women it doesn't matter like we've all like we've all overlooked a couple red flags in in the name of like maybe this will be cool <laughs> <laughs> so you meant so to speak, yeah. Yeah, metaphorically. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that the universal sort of relatability of that opening is great, but it still leaves us with these open-ended questions of like, well, wait, is there a sister? And then, and so once we finish that death, that whole, what I don't even remember like how far into the movie do you think we are, half hour? Uh, yeah, probably about that the whole rest of the movie is a new movie yeah but we but it's smart i think this is a a cool setup because all of those things are putting us in this frame of mind that essentially philip was in 
you know, and then we have to we have to sort of deal with the the consequences right. of that, which are essentially all these questions we now have. That's when we meet Grace and she has she's tasked with answering all those questions like she wants to answer the questions for us, the audience. And I Grace, think that's cool. now on to Grace. Yeah. I love Grace. Yeah, me too. Like from the get go, she's just, well, we're with her when we see the murder. So it's already, we're on her side. Yeah. And um, she's no bullshit. She's just like, fuck all this. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. I Re- love that. Relatable. I think yeah. with her, uh, with her, then her and her mother relationship <laughs> with her mother. Man, that, funny. that scene, I remember thinking I, it was starting to get long mm-hmm. and I was like, what are we doing? But it comes right around. Like it works. Cause I don't know which scene. The, the car scene yeah. of, of her mom just, just chattering away. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where she's basically, Grace has basically said nothing. She's just looking out the window. And I was like, oh, my God, how long is this going to go on for? Which is right, because that's essentially what Grace is feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we just get a nice, it's just enough nice little sort of uh, character building in that one scene of like, her mom's overbearing. Nobody seems to respect the fact that she has a career as a journalist. God, I know. You these, know, like that. <laughs> the, I, these cops, like, ugh. like we're just so on her side when she's, she is having to do all the work. Everything from her mom's point of view is about finding a man. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, fuck and kill me. And even the cops is like, yeah. st- don't, uh, don't ruffle any feathers. She's when 25, she's like... by the way. <laughs> right. That really like threw me. <laughs> 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 um, you gotta find a man you're 25 you're getting old you're gonna be an old maid it's like Jesus Christ I don't mom. even remember being 25 <laughs> I mean I was probably drunk so whatever um, <laughs> maybe you were solving murders which I was, was I was ignoring red flags is what I was doing <laughs> <laughs> right getting knives held up to your testicles apparently pretty much <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, what else to say about her? I don't know. It's, it's. I guess, nothing much. For, she's forward thinking. She's forward moving. She's no bullshit. She's like, she's empowered. She's all of these, like, they're really good characteristics. In a, in a film that, you know, was early 70s just felt especially like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's sort of in the same way that Hitchcock and, and, um, uh, Martin are doing the same thing where it's like, or not Martin, sorry, Romero. <laughs> like yeah, Martin, Martin, uh, Martin Short. No, um, Romero are doing kind of the same things, right? They're being fairly progressive yeah. about how they depict women and I, and you know, and, and or people of color, which is great. This like, it would be a good compendium to Martin. They're both very, um, you know, showing the quote unquote women's lib movement yeah. in the seat of the, the heart of the seventies, the early seventies, sort of the, the waning sixties, yeah. late sixties era. Um, I think it's nice to sort of be reminded that even though we at times feel like definitely like progress sort of takes a step forward and a couple steps back and that continues on, but it's nice to, to have references of then when we think, oh, God, it must have been awful then. Yeah, it probably it was. But there were still people who were aware of it and speaking out about it. Yeah. And that's great. That's nice to know. You know, they laid the foundation for how we look at things now. Right. And you get the sense that the filmmakers are included in that. Yeah, totally. So I like all that. Um, I, I like um, uh, Charles Durning. Durning? Durning. Durning. I can't remember how you say his name. Um, oh, the private eye yeah, guy. I just like their little back and forth. They have a fun rapport. Um, 
I almost wish he was in it more. Yeah, he was in it just a little. Yeah, he was kind of an in-between how much he was in it. Yeah, it's because they couldn't afford him for more than a day. Oh, yeah, you were saying you know? he's a known actor. Yeah, I mean, he probably was like, yeah, I'll do this, but you got me for Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta do. <laughs> Shoot out Charles. Um, so, I loved, what else? Well, we gotta talk about this. Let's go back to the murderer scene. Sure. The first one? Yes. Yeah. The split screen. Okay. <laughs> Tim just I think Tim wants to talk about that in the other section. <laughs> I liked it, Tim. We're, so we're going to so talk about glad it. glad you did. And what worked for me. <laughs> I, Go on. <laughs> I thought it was a novel, intense way to show, like, the moment where the cur and the cops are just about to catch the the creepy guy leaving with the bags after the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a fun, tense way to show that. And then I thought it was an interesting way to show the actual murder itself. I don't know, just to see it from, because remember his hands going up on the window and that's essentially. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And he's like trying to call for help. And that's when, when uh, Grace sees him and you know, seeing the murder that was done from that two shot perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't really, I don't have any real big like thesis for why it's <laughs> a good thing. Like, which I feel like I normally do. I was just like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I get that. All right. <laughs> well, how about the, um, I don't know, as far as maybe then more like Hitchcockian kind of turns and moments and twists. Hide the body. Yeah. The, so good. The hiding the body in the couch. Um, I think my favorite in that whole thing, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah coming and looking for it. But my favorite in the whole thing was toward the end of that sequence when there's what we consider a bit of evidence on the birthday cake. As far as the names yeah. that are on it, that's, oh, she does have a sister. And then she drops it right in front of the cops and it's completely ruined and they can't see it. I love that moment. Yeah, that's fun. Um, I really like the the cleanup and, and sort of the missing the one spot of blood thing. Although oh, yeah. it didn't really come around. No, they should have showed them missing it, which they kind of did. Well, and there was know. no, ultimately it doesn't. Catch, they don't get caught because of it. Right. The, Which we're, I'm, we're talking about there's a spot of blood on the back of the couch. Right. It's the only thing they miss. After and Charles Durning's of... character walks right by it. Yeah. And so the I pres, my presumption was when he came out and he had stolen the uh, file with all of the info about the twins that he was going to be like. And also, the like, I think it might have even been in the script because he makes the conclusion. He's like the the body's in the couch. He's he's like it's in the couch. Yeah. But his justification in the movie script, like what we hear is he's like I tried to lift it and it's way too heavy. Yeah. That's that's not a good enough. Like he could have been like, there's blood on the back of the couch. Therefore, I that's true. Looked under the cushion and there's more. You know what I mean? There like, was just something. It kind didn't of, quite connect. It just made him feel smart and like a good true. private investigator just to sort of pick up on that detail of the weight of it. Yeah. But you're right. It's a trundle bed. So it could just be heavy. Yeah. Those things are fucking heavy. <laughs> yeah. I once had one of I try, I was trying to I had one in New York City and I don't I mean, I don't know how we got it up to the third floor of this walk up <laughs> on 42nd Street, but we did. And. When I moved out of there, I had to get it out by myself. And I ended up unscrewing the metal component of the bed from the frame of the couch. 
but I had to carry that metal frame, which is, you know, it's like lots of hinges and yeah. it's heavy and awkward and whatever. I had to try and carry it down the stairs and the whole thing ended up closing on my hand. Oh. And like, I still have this like weird gnarly scar on kind of the back of my, I don't know, it's sort of my wrist, I guess, um, just from that. And that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> So, yeah, I've had experience. And then I just left it on so the curb. So you that's like you this do. private eye, you know, you just have a, a lived, a, a world we of experience. Know, we know all about trundle beds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he knew that even for a trundle bed, it was too heavy. Um, yeah. So that, you know, that whole sequence is very, it's, I mean, it's directly pulled from rear window yeah. of him like sneaking in and then them showing up them and kind of knowing. making hand gestures to yeah. each other oh look in there oh i got it and the solve of that we never really see yeah he he's like don't of... worry i convinced them it was cool that i was in there right his uh his window washer ploy seemed to i thought he was fun. gonna have to jump out of the window or yeah. something right but he just Budget. opened the window to show her a, a, a some files that he didn't even know what they were yeah. Just to say, look what I got. Yeah, but the... So I guess this is all to sort of say the sequence and the pacing and the sort of intrigue of those scenes all works, e even regardless of the sort of a little bit of lack of logic or or like ultimate or threads. Yeah, the threads are a little like... Meh. Yeah. It still feels good because it's got that kind of Hitchcockian pacing yeah. where it's like, oh, shit, that's going to happen. And we know and we're going to watch it. And we're like, you know, probably going to get out of there, but maybe not. All right. Anything else before we get to the mental institution? Um, God, what happens? She gets that. Oh, so they go to she goes to the. Uh, time life building and talks to the guy there mm -hmm. that actor i like he he was um i forget he was the the dude in tron he's he's awesome the old man in tron um i guess just the the aesthetic of the footage that they watch is very i i, I just find oh, the videotape he shows him yes her that that docu style 70s like I don't know if anybody's seen this, but Geraldo did the expose on, on, man, I don't remember if it was right before this. I'd have to look it up. But the, the actual footage from Geraldo's expose on the New York insane asylum and the conditions in it is one of the most fucked up and like eerie, scary, unsettling, upsetting pieces of footage out there. It is, it is, it is literally why, like the way they shot that or, or the way, sorry, the way now we shoot scary in the dark with the single like light on the camera, like found footage style is it's literally matching this Geraldo footage because mm. there was like no power in the fucking insane asylum. It's just kids and and people with whatever so you're saying the video in this movie was like it, it has that same feel yeah and it's yeah it's that shit's always kind of eerie and creepy like asylums in general the the kind of um right yeah and what the video you're talking about is just to, to clarify is there was the, um the story the sort of mini documentary right. expose that this other reporter had done on the siamese twins yeah and so, i so yeah that, I'm, that was neat that did work for me like learning about their history seeing like the two margot kidders you know joined at the hip literally um that was cool yeah 
Um, Willowbrook is the name of the... Um, how sinister sounding, right? Of the institution, the, the real life one. Yeah, it, it do it, was, it that I mean, I'll get to it. That'll be my recommendation, honestly, because that shit is fucking so, yeah. crazy. A- anything else before? Um, I think that's it. All of that was working for me. Um, Margot Kidder, kind of what you said, like her performance, just the slyness of her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, well, the music, the music, I think almost goes without saying it's Bernard Herrmann. And again, I I said uh, anything else before we talk about the last part of the film, not before we get to the next section. Yeah. So, yeah, no, go for it. The mental institution. So, yes, getting there. Yes. The the drive to the institution, the car following the other car, that sequence with the 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 score. Right. Is it's just psycho, but it's so good. It's so right. satisfying. It's like <laughs> fucking awesome. That was great. And then after, so the 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 institute had been built up earlier in the film. It had been mentioned. Mm-hmm. So when we get there, it has this allure to it. But God, first we have remember the guy. I loved the guy trimming the hedges outside. <laughs> so good. And he gives like one final just kind of like trim to the air after she goes inside. But then it was what a perfect intro to have this. She's all this that she's our, our hero here. Grace is trying to do is use the phone. Yeah. And um, we have this first woman. <laughs> she's so brazen. I love it. <laughs> yeah. She's just running up the driveway. Right. Well, <laughs> hey, it works up till um, when she asks to use the phone. And there's a, a woman who is a, a member there who's just screaming about the germs coming through the phone. I love dude. It was incredible to him. I love that. Yeah. I fucking love that. It's so, it's, it, it danced really, really close on this line of almost, not offensive, but it felt like we were almost at like exploitative sort of like, we're, we're, we're not poking it fun, felt but super it, it, dark humor. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Where it's like, fuck, there are people who are really in like a bad place and are suffering right but also it feels like the it, filmmakers it are kind of real well the filmmakers it like, feels like they're trying to push it just a little further than even they'd think it would as intense as real life you know as it yeah. is it felt like they were just trying to heighten it or twist it or make it that much more idiosyncratic yeah. like just in that little way which again when i'm saying it out loud makes it feels like well that just brings it even closer to being real but there's something just mm-hmm. just left of center that they were they were how they were portraying it well it never i think you it, it it it's the type of thing that you can fall into almost a parody or caricature really easily and it just stayed right on the other side of that in the best way mm-hmm. where it's like it it could have been laughable and and offensive for its laughability if it went there and it yeah. didn't i felt like Okay. Like, yeah, you felt the intensity like, oh, no. still. You <laughs> yeah. felt threatened by the yeah. intensity. So um, yeah, that that whoever that woman was who who gave that performance, I, I don't actually know. But. So then, toward the end of that little uh, moment, was my favorite part of it's the whole movie. The best part of the whole. Movie. Yeah, when she gets trapped there, when she gets taken by the doctors, you are the same person like, oh, going hey, Margaret, into this place. Margaret. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And then all of a sudden... You're so fucked. Yeah. Do you want to describe what we're talking this about? Is, what happened? This is like a personal nightmare. Because I've, I've 
no. say what the this okay. is. What are we talking about? I've known people to experience something sort of like this. It's you've gone in as a sane, rational person to expose somebody and that somebody uses the the environment or the context of where you are and says you're insane and because of the fact that you are there in the insane like in this location and the person who's saying that is an authority figure all of the underlings will buy his bullshit yep. over yours and nothing you say makes you seem not crazy yep that's, that is so scary to me. Me too. To not be believed. We've talked about this yeah. sort of thing before where it's like when somebody accuses you of something that you know you haven't done, but like how I do you defend that's, yourself? That's like that, my that's, biggest that's, kind of fear point is yeah. to like not being able to convince someone, you know. Because if you like throw a fit. That you're telling the truth. Yeah. You seem totally unhinged. Mm hmm. But if you don't throw a fit, what you, like what are you going to do? Right. Like what can you do? Nothing. Right. Fucking nothing. Like if the helplessness of that is so fact. They're gonna physically attack you back. Like <laughs> right. if you try to defend yourself, and then like, they're gonna just fucking sedate you, and then strap you down to a bed. That comes back down to the <gasps> sedating Tim. <laughs> he shot me. He shot me. <laughs> From Martin. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This it's that is such a fucking awesome fear point. Yeah, and it's society. The getting getting needled. Yeah. This is something so just just depriving you of your your free will and just so controlling. And not and 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 when you when you have no defense to your own to just having an actual conversation. They've already um what's what's the term? They've already um decided yeah something that you have no control over it. Like you can't, you can't yeah. even have a conversation and be like, hang on, let's back up a second. Cause even in saying that it they've all decided the, it all looks the same to them. <sighs> oh man. I know that was the part of the film where it's just like, Oh God, oh, no, no, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Best horror now, moment. Now I, I, I wondered at the time I was like, is this the right, place for this in the you know in this sort of timeline of or structurally of the whole movie um but i think it is because we get that first act without grace mm -hmm. if we had had grace in the first act i think this moment would have had to have come earlier like mm -hmm, midpoint mm -hmm. but it's essentially the i guess it's the end of the second act really yeah it's interesting to sort of observe the unique plotting in this and how they kind of what was unique about the structure to make it work? It, it does make me think that he's got, he was watching more foreign stuff and like Argento stuff. And I mean, Hitchcock is kind of leans a little bit right. more in that other structural sort of European structure. Oh, it just feels like he was just watching Hitchcock to me. <laughs> well, not, that's not, certainly true. No, not to say that it's an exact uh, replica, but because no. it is clearly set in the 70s with a 70s filmmaker. But it's an that's... unapologetic homage to yeah. Hitchcock. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, yeah. Um, that, that shit was awesome. I mean, and then, you know, so then we get into her being confined. Right. So then it's what we started bringing up, what we talked about earlier which i don't know what else there's to say about it but the dream um, sequence hallucination slash flashback slash uh transformed consciousness yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. I think it's a really cool device. Well, I, I okay, mean, first, even in spite yeah. of the going in and out of the eyeball multiple that, times. I was going to say. Which I, just tickled me. I loved that. I loved going <laughs> in and out of the eyeball. And then it used the kind of felt like the being John Malkovich get out like Iris sure, you know, yeah. around blackness yeah. to sort of come in and out of this this other consciousness. I mean, and I it thought it was black and white, kitschy so. to go to do it as many times as it did. I thought but it I, was by, by the third time right. it happened, I was like kind of into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For me, it was just like, I don't know. It's it, like they could have done it once and they did it three times, which works. If they had done it twice, it wouldn't have worked. With, you know what I mean? With weird hallucinogenic flashback dream sequency things, I like it when they sort of push it um, girth wise to like where they did in this, where mm-hmm. it happens where, I don't know, it's a, it's a good chunk of the movie, you know? It sort of puts you in that in an interesting place. And I think that the de- I think that the conceit almost, or the device that that he's applying is is there's a purpose to come back out of of the eyeball into the into the room that she's actually in. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, and th- this wasn't entirely clear, but my takeaway was that the doctor, Emil, is he's sort of having a recap conversation almost in the halluc- uh, in the hypnosis style with Danielle. And so uh, Grace is hearing that conversation and she's hearing Danielle's side of it, explaining Danielle's memories of all of this. So it's this sort of like, you know, like Emil would be like, remember the time that you and your sister were this? And then Danielle would say, yeah, and we were this and this is how I felt, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's not explicitly happening, but it's sort of implied that that's what's happening. And the result of that happening for Grace is this hallucination into the, her mind and then seeing herself in the place of Dominique. Yeah. So I think I, I think that's what they were trying to get across. Ultimately, I'm not sure it fucking mattered whether they, they didn't need to. I don't think they needed to lean on that even at all, really. We could have just seen this weird hallucination without you mean they any le- sort of... Leaning on them being in the same room and having those... Uh, what he's saying out loud yeah, to her. Yeah, I don't I'm not sure that it was necessary. I don't know. I think it plays I into I think it plays into the doctor's um hypnosis angle and yeah. sort of controlling and um what would you call that? Yeah, mental uh subterfuge. Sure. <laughs> Inceptioning. Yeah. Um but like even insofar as is the 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 efficacy of that sequence it was still kind of vague as to what we were going to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Like, what's he trying to... Is he trying to convince Danielle that Grace is now Dominique? Yeah. That's what he's trying... But that... So that... Okay, I think actually th- this makes sense now. <laughs> so he's trying to get Danielle... He's hypnotizing her to now believe that Dominique exists and is not dead. Yes. And is grace so that Danielle can shed herself from the Dominique personality that is right. always pushing to get out. Because was it the ending as far as Danielle Dominique's point of view? It was that um, 
Danielle now. Yeah, it's Danielle thinking that Dominique is dead. And and the reason that, that yeah, the problem. So the character problem that Danielle has is the psychosis, essentially, is that because Dominique died and because they had such a specific connection, like they were physically connected, um, but, you know, through that they were mentally connected, that Danielle could not deal with the death of her sister. Mm -hmm. She couldn't cope with that. And so she split her mind and created the Danielle personality to cope with the death right or the denial of the death and so the doctor is trying to detach the dominique personality from her mind by putting it essential or making danielle believe that it's now in this other person right after and not even in it but that the that, that dominique exists now and so Danielle no longer needs to have the split personality. Yes. That makes sense. And he's the, he's <laughs> the same one who literally took a hatchet to them. <laughs> that, that scene is awesome, too. I just wanted to touch on the flashback scenes, how they looked and yeah. felt themselves. It yeah. was like these black and white. We're supposed to assume it's maybe early 60s, 50s kind of thing. So it has this. Or even if it's not yeah, that. It five feels, years? But it, it has. It feels like a Frankenstein movie or something. That's almost. true. Yeah, like it, it does has kinda. almost this imaginary quality mm-hmm. to it. While at the same time, oh, no, this is probably how it would look. <laughs> but the, I don't know. Something about it felt like a little like horror movie within a horror movie to me definitely yeah i just think that whole se- uh, j- dream suite sequences are amazing mm-hmm. and i think it's um oh shit what's the famous dream sequence it might be marnie there's a little touch of marnie in this marnie is sort of like i don't remember it that well but it's the one with sean connery and tippy hedron and mm. she i haven't seen it it's weird. It's it's cool. Actually, that's a good one to watch, too, for everybody. If you haven't seen Marnie, go watch it. Um, but she's got some mental sort of psychosis stuff going on, and, and she gets kind of swindled into marrying Sean Connery by Sean Connery. He like It's this sort of double whatever, back whatever you call that, um, double-crossy type thing. Um, but it... I, it might not be Marnie, but whatever, it doesn't whatever. matter. Yeah. Um, there's an amazing dream sequence in one of Hitchcock's movies, and I'm I'm not sure which one. Um, that's even more. It's like do, like Dolly worked on it, yeah. like Salvador Dolly, and so so this didn't go there, but like it still has that weird dreamy ethereal, like what the fuck, super and like, wide angle lenses. Yeah, and like the pe- like the 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 cast of people that are in the mm-hmm. ob- observe the surgical observation room are really fucking cool and weird and just creepy as yeah. fuck all of that i love um and then attached to that is just grace's well then then to the actual ending or the if that's the climax yeah well then there's two little scenes after that so then we right, have right where grace we're like thinking oh great we got grace back to normal the mom's there but no, she still has been affected by the hypnosis. She's just repeating when they're trying to ask her. She knows about the murder. There was no body because there was no murder, which is exactly <laughs> what the doctor programmed her yeah. to think and say. So, <laughs> God, just to... That's... Well, the cool... You know what I love about that 
is that Grace is so deeply hypnotized that she doesn't understand what the issue is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's the scary thing about it. It feels like it's beyond just, oh, when you hear this noise, you're going to squawk like a chicken. It's like you, you're concerning this whole large thing where completely changing your reality and, re- you know, regarding it. It's just so deep and sinister. And um, I don't know, it gets into that stuff of that that very human fear of not knowing what's real or not kind of thing and how you never really can, no matter what, in the end, because we're brains in a jar. <laughs> Dude, it's good. Mm-hmm. So, so I think this is all kind of to wrap a bow around this. The thing that works the best for me in this movie is is really kind of the story trajectory and ideas because there's like little things here and there and like you know, like we said some of the threads don't seem quite like they're connecting or whatever but like the broader story is so fucking good yeah so good job brian great now let's see <laughs> what did not work it's not ready yet seems to work okay no something important's missing well tim i know all right look all i'm saying is it's not it's not serving did okay i'll ask you do you feel like the split screen is actually serving the movie in that scene right and there now Maybe that's what I said I was having trouble actually articulating, you know, beyond just, oh, I just liked it, you know? That's, and I think that's totally valid to just like it. But, and, well, no, that's what I mean when I say I feel like I could find a way to, to say that, yes, it actually helped it. Okay. But I'm trying to think of what that is. Why didn't it? Why wasn't it adding anything? I, my, my, I find it distracting partially, mm-hmm. but also I just think it's... It's no better than just cutting mm-hmm. back and forth. I think with the when the murder itself is happening and it's the shot of him outside and inside, I tend to agree with you more. But when it's the that, around the corners, yeah, thing. when it's rounding the corners in the apartment, there's something unique to showing at the same time where, you know, just like what a long take because long takes do allow you something yeah. that cutting takes away. So I think to sort of sustain the suspense and a sense of place that that one yeah. did add something. I, there I, you go. I get it. I, I think from a taste point of view, what I don't like about it is that I like feeling like I'm in a real place and it breaks that right up front. Like, it's just like, yeah, just it's kidding. too like, much like you're in a movie. Yeah. I think it's too much of a of a kind of kitschy device. Yeah. It's like remember well you may not. Ang Lee's Hulk. Nope. Actually like Didn't they have sh- comic book it, panels? Yes, and it is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I've seen you know De Palma is sort of famous for using the he does split, that in Carrie. It's cool. The split screen um uh both both foreground and background are in focus. The split dia yeah, yeah. yeah, that thing. <laughs> Whatever you call it. <laughs> Diopter? Mm-hmm. Something like that, right? And I don't like that either. I always am like, eh. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how things look in real life. Yeah, but 
I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's like too much mm-hmm. for me. If you if you ratcheted it back just a little bit, I'd be fine with it. But he pushes it to this almost uh, so what would you call it? It's like it, it ha- becomes it's too it's too almost avant garde. Would me. it have to be like it's more that sort of whatever amount of experimentalness or just non you know realist no mm-hmm. whatever whatever is the thing that takes you out of it. Does that just need to be imbued from the get-go in the sort of blood of the film that much more? Because yeah, like yes. it needs to be Scott Pilgrim, you know, yes, is there exactly. every step of the way. And I think yeah, and and also because it we it's used those two times in the same act and then never again. Mm-hmm. Like if it had opened, well, I mean the, the opening's so weird, but like I'm just <laughs> trying true. to think like. Yeah, you know, you you sh- are showing each main character in their own screen somehow, mm-hmm. and then they intersect. Then we're kind of ready for that. Then that's the reality of the movie. Then maybe you can accept it later that much more because it did come yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, I also am a little like prone to just not liking devices that don't have sort of a like almost a story connection to them. They're just sort of it's just an arbitrary device. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this will be cool. And there's a there's a limit to to my acceptance of of that kind of thing. Like, you can kind of get away with it to certain degrees, but for well, me, ultimately, a lot of time, I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm thinking about it a little more. And even when I said, maybe, what I what I did like about it for when it's him getting when he he's at the window and then mm-hmm. the split screen cuts in and she's seeing the hand against the window from the outside, it. You're you're with this man when he's dying, so to cut away from him, you do lose a little impact of just sort of the the stress of the moment of trying to you know call for help. Yeah, in a way. So I don't know, but but and then we need the information of she is seeing it though. At the same True. time, we need to also be with her. So I don't know. I think it's it's pretty cool. I I wish it was more kind of just a. You you do see it more nowadays. I don't know. For me, I think. Ultimately, my taste would prefer you could mm, kind of potentially accomplish a very similar thing. And I think Spielberg is quite good at this by using reflection or mirror instead. And so you are getting to see more of what's going on, Mm -hmm. but you're not breaking kind of the whatever the fourth wall or whatever you're breaking by by adding this device and i'm more i'm those things are more pleasing to me when it's that version that's right because this is a reminder to audience what worked for what what worked and what did not work for us that's the only way we can approach it because like i think there are people who are like fuck yeah it's the coolest thing because it could be a matter too like imagine if from early filmmaking onwards, this could just be a much more accepted device. And, yeah, that's and true. And you would just have a different relationship <laughs> to it. Yeah, definitely. So let's see, what else? Um, I didn't really have anything. I was just like, I don't know, man. I just wasn't as wowed as... Uh, but I can't. I can't even really say why. I I really enjoyed it all. I thought it was super cool. I loved the, everything we said about performances. A little... Hitchcockian moments of twists and uh, moments. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I just don't feel like I need to buy it. I'm not, I don't really feel like I am need to recommend it. Even though this film was recommended to me by a friend. Yeah. Um, I, which I'm glad I've seen it now. I've really wanted to see it. I'm glad I did. Oh, yeah. 
I, I think that it's a very fine line for me, the like the line of homage to like derivativeness. Like mm-hmm. and obviously he was this isn't like he wasn't like secret about it's not some secret that he's paying homage to Hitchcock. It's very out front. So it's fine. But kind of like I said about not wanting to buy it, like I did buy Psycho because Psycho is amazing and I won't buy this because it's not Psycho, but it's it's trying to be Psycho. And so, so for are you me, a there's fan this, of his later films or just De Palma? Yeah, or is this just too close to it? Because Maybe. I don't know. I feel I'm like... not sure how I feel about De Palma it's, overall. It's, I think he's very for me. Yeah, it's like every other De Palma movie I watch. I'm like, oh shit, no wait, he is good. He's his own <laughs> and filmmaker. Like, yeah. That's a stall I meant. Yeah. Like I get this one, maybe especially kind of close. You know, wearing all that on its sleeve, the Psycho connection, mm-hmm. the Hitchcock connection. But it's still like really much its own movie. Like this feels. This is maybe more thing of note, but it feels like it's. There's like Cronenberg in there too, in that sort of Canadian offbeat <laughs> 70s, mm, yeah. like borderline sci fi psychokinetic, <laughs> you know, stuff going on. Yeah. It's, it's got enough other just sort of like flavors in it that it doesn't feel, oh no, why? I'm just going to watch Psycho instead of this. Mm-hmm. They're very different to me yet at the they same are. time. Yeah. I don't know what it is exactly. I felt a little like a little manipulated by Margot Kidder not really being the the main character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not in a good way. Exactly. Where I was like, wait, is she going to have this accent the whole time? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> so that was the other thing I was going to say because I made Margot Kidder's when you, accent <laughs> when you when you brought it up that you thought it was okay. Um again, not an authority. <laughs> Just I can see again. I'm too trustworthy, Tim. It took me so long as she was talking until they finally said she was French. I was like, "Ooh, okay." That's you just do French. your Pepe Le Pew impression. That's I'm right. going to say, "Oh, <laughs> you're from Paris." <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was inconsistent, and I don't ultimately care. But there was a moment of me being like, "What is this? Like, what is she doing?" Do you have anything actual? else hard for what did not work or Mm, no all right let's do things of note okay things of note (laughs) this should be interesting okay like i just said cronenberg connection what, mm-hmm. So th- this, I'm not asking it in like the story sense, but what was the deal with the opening <laughs> scene being like a, the meeting at a game show and like in the world of this game show? Like, how does that connect to the story idea for you? The like, you know how like, oh, no, you haven't seen it. I was going to say the brood, but like I, I... I'm going to lend it to you and you're going to say if you're wondering what that clapping is. I'm trying to catch this fucking fruit fly that's flying around my face i got him i got him <laughs> see like that would be this is completely disparate to the rest of the movie we're about to have tonight we're like what does he do they're like recording a podcast but it has nothing to do with podcasts or sort of people listening to things or but or swatting bugs but it's like 
then you try to attach their conversation to the greater meaning of it all, but you can't really. But <laughs> that's Cronenberg. You can, but this mm-hmm. felt, but this felt like you're <sighs> setting wise and just sort of being thrown into the middle of it. I think that's what I mean, Cronenbergy. But this was just like what? Yeah, like is it is it commentary somehow? And if it is, on what? About, sci- like, what does it have to do with like Siamese about... twins or psychotherapy or hypnosis <laughs> about spying on blind women in a game show? I mean, it felt very satirical. Sure. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, it sort of felt similar to, um, like, uh, Requiem for a Dream's opening with the game show stuff. Yeah. Cool. But that pays off. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> so with this... Why did they meet at a game show, Tim? So... Is it just to establish that she's an actress? That she's actually an actress? And they were just like, well, what would she be acting in? And came up with that. And like, how can she meet somebody that she doesn't know? How do we trust? I mean, it does work. Like, we trust him because he went with the option of not oogling her. It may just be that they were like, we need a good way to introduce these characters and get some good, solid, like, character-defining things accomplished quickly yeah and if that's the case it's pretty it's pretty effective but i mean usually it's like you (laughs) you 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 keep picking settings and just things until you're like oh this is this makes sense for the movie they got them the knives right yeah you (laughs) you're it technically answers all these questions i know but it's super random yeah (laughs) so i think it i think it is just random i think they just was like they just landed on this thing and they're like oh shit uh, this makes me want to hear the commentary or you know do some digging and then so the the end end ending two of the detective guy on the phone pole the private investigator on the phone pole looking at the couch just something about that moment too just felt a little that seemed very like why where's the rest of that movie <laughs> yeah Again, also, this is I'm mentioning this. Why didn't think, he just go up to it, right? And like open it up. That's what's gonna be. So I'm not. This sounds <laughs> like this. We still may be in our next section. What did not work? But no, this is no, more. This it is, didn't not work. I yeah. just it left me going. Um... I just <laughs> talk. Maybe those <laughs> I talked about the whole thing was like this feels like the movie where I was most unprepared and didn't get something. Maybe that's specifically the purpose of the beginning and ending of this film, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> To get you feel a little off kilter. Canada. Yep. That's the point. Canada. Um, so I did watch uh, Jennifer Salt, who's, you know, the the actual main character, it feels like, Grace. She uh, did a recent interview in 2018. Recent. Oh, because she was on American Horror Story? No, she is for the, that's October 2018 is when the Criterion edition of this film was released. Ah. So she did an interview for it. Um, things I learned, they were, since they were a low budget shoot, they were non-union and they were picketed by Teamsters when Staten Island nice. when they were filming. I bet and they she were. she said it was very scary for a while, but then they went away. <laughs> um, the woman who played her real, her mother was her real mother. <laughs> wow. And she said that was like them riffing on their actual relationship. Oh, surprise, God. surprise. That's her mother giving her, you know, hounding on her for not being married. And then even to the extent of like, oh, you're, are you still on your diet pills? Like on amphetamines <laughs> or whatever, you know, like she said that was all 
And probably thought of her life. acting career as just a like a side hobby, and when she, when's she gonna have a real career? Right. So cathartic. I hope a bit that she's <laughs> you know a part of this film. Either that or just a wedge, just yeah. fucking just jamming that wedge between them even further. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> we talked about that actor uh, William Bill Finley earlier. You know, I said Roger Ebert mm-hmm. said looked like a Cold War spy, extraterrestrial. <laughs> yeah. And you were like super nice. She said that he was kind of almost a muse for Brian where he was just like immensely just enamored or entertained, but just like kind of had a curiosity towards him, you know, like <laughs> liked his whatever he was doing. And he said that she said that, um, this guy, Bill Finley, was pretty intense on set. I'm like, pretty... shocked. Yeah, exactly. I'm so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, confirmation. And the only last thing that I had was the um, the scene at the end when she's denying knowing anything. She's been hypnotized. We talked about it. That main last horrific scene. She's changed forever. There was an entire row of Ringo Starr pictures from I a saw Hard that. Day's Night. Yeah, what the what? She loves like, Ringo. Yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and like pretty clearly in there too. But it was just kind of funny to see that in such a serious end scene. Mo- I don't know. It made it feel very lived in for sure. Well, it also, yeah, I think putting that scene in her, obviously her childhood bedroom and yeah. having the mom right there is this like, it's actually even more upsetting in a way. Yeah. It's like the mom kind of got what she wanted, which is like her uh, her baby back. Uh, well, I'm a big Beatles guy, so I just had to mention seeing all those Ringo faces. <laughs> cool. I don't really have anything of note. We've kind of touched on all of them um, just throughout. So uh, the one thing I will say is the movie I was thinking of is Spellbound. That's the one that Dolly did the sort of dream sequence with. It's or it's yeah, I think he was directly involved. That's Dolly, uh, Salvador Dolly. Oh, not not Dolly Dearest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Spellbound. Yeah, it's cool. It does it all. It doesn't matter. Uh, Yeah, it's Gregory Peck and Ingrid Bergman. Um, But Marnie is awesome. Watch Marnie. Um, and, oh, and the other thing I was going to say is that that Geraldo, um, expose thing came out, like happened in 62. So who knows how much that played a role in the sort of development or execution of this, since it's essentially the same year Mm -hmm. slash maybe after this (laughs) was filmed. So Mm. great. Should we put a bow on this film then? Yeah. All right. So next we move on to our recommendations. Okay, so I have a real one, but definitely, definitely see Marnie and definitely watch that Geraldo thing because that thing is pushing your luck here, Tim. You're recommending a lot of things. You can only recommend that one thing. Okay, my real one is season two of The Sinner. I mean, season one of The Sinner. The show The Sinner is so fucking good. Never heard of it. Bro, it is so good. <laughs> it's so good. What is it? It's a USA show, USA Network show. Um, All right, coach. That's right. No, it's on uh, Netflix now, season one and two. So season two just came out on Netflix. And But season one is amazing. Bill Pullman is like the main guy. Okay. It's so fucked up. He's a detective. It's awesome. It's super fucked up. I don't want to say anything else. Cool. Watch it if you haven't, because it's fucking great. All right. 
mine is I think it's there's room for this film. Uh, well, you know, people go on the great year of 1999 for film. One of my you haven't heard that. The it's, Matrix. It's like, yeah, no, you've never heard that talked about, though. There's like a book written on it now. It's like always been a thing these last 10 years. People talk about. I don't know. No, there's lots of great films in there. I believe okay. it. Okay. Well, there's Fight one. Club. There's yeah. See, yeah, exactly. You can. So now the one that I haven't heard. <laughs> I was in college. <laughs> All right. Revenge. Uh, no, the the prequels of Star Wars started then too. That I mean, was horrible. I'd say that one. But the one that I think I haven't seen get a lot of acclaim that I think is due for some um, uh, new appreciation is Man on the Moon about oh, yeah. Andy Kaufman starring Jim Carrey. I think it was pretty easy to write off as just a, another biopic in the slew of biopics. But it takes on an extra, there's an extra Kaufman-esque level going on there mm-hmm. in some regard where there is an awareness of it being a biopic. Do you mean a Charlie Kaufman or an Andy Kaufman? Andy Kaufman. What, did <laughs> I say it does, Charlie? No, but it does, it, oh, in, a, in a weird yeah. way, it has a Charlie Kaufman-esque kind of thing going yeah. on too. Well, yeah, similar, you know, That's similar Kaufman's in that sense. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. And it, it, seeing... Seeing um, Andy Kaufman and, you know, Jim Carrey does a great job, but getting to sort of feel like you're you're being privy to these moments of people learning about him for or people discovering him for the first mm-hmm. time and Andy's shticks working on people for the first time. It's there's just something that strikes a chord with me where it's kind of it's just my favorite thing, Tim, like to see, I don't know, people getting having to push up against whatever it was that represents them, a kind of like nonsense. That's not nonsense. Mm. It's very, it's very sincere. It's sort of just, he's all about getting a reaction no matter what it is. And was sort of the first one to kind of do that in ways that are very near and dear to me. So I don't know. It's something that in recent years, I've just sort of started watching yearly. So if it's been a Mm. while, uh, you know, and it's there, it's easy to watch. Maybe give it a watch man on the moon. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Directed by Milos Forman too. So Milos. Reliable director there. Yeah. All right. Well let's pull. Let's pull from My this, turn. this there hat. <laughs> Demon House 2018. Yes. <laughs> Sounds awesome. See Let's look. Watch it right now. Yeah. Mmm, Demon House. All right, cool. Cool poster. Oh my god! Wait, okay. Uh, I just read something. Don't read any more. Don't read I'm, it. I'm just looking at how okay. long it is. Okay. One hour fifty one minutes. Great. <laughs> I closed it. <laughs> All right. So join us next time, everyone, for Demon House. Yeah. And until then, you could find us at dismemberinghorror.com. That's the universe we reside in. That's right. And dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. Is where you can email us any suggestions, mm-hmm. or you can Twitter at us. Dishorrorpod. Which is, just sounds so clear and easy. What? Obviously. No. D-I-S horror pod. <laughs> With a little at amp- yeah, sign in front of it. Mm-hmm. And then we got our Instagram. We post weekly on there. Mm-hmm. A couple, a few times a week. 
And uh, that's just at Dismembering Horror. Sure is. Well, (laughs) (laughs) in closing, everyone, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.